Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Choose Positive Living right here on SelfDiscoveryMedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy. My guest today is Richard Battle. And we're going to be battling a big topic today. Uh, he's got a book, Navigating Life's Journey, Common Sense in the Uncommon Times. <laughs> what common sense? Sometimes I just wonder if that just went with the dark ages. He is a fifth-generation Texan. He's a longtime Lone Star and state business and community leader an award-winning author. His, uh, and we're going to be talking about his latest book. We're also going to be talking about a segment on Kamala Harris. We're going to be talking about um, Biden. We're going to be talking about a number of things. His books really do range a great deal, Navigating Life's Journey, Conquering Life's Course, um, The Un Unwelcome uh, Opportunity, The Volunteer's Handbook, Surviving Grief by God's Grace, The Master Sales Secrets, and I can't read the other one, something to do with character, it's too small, sorry. <laughs> but with a lot of books that he's written there, and there's a lot to talk about here today. But um, um, you've, hit, you've hit a nerve with me here with this, and I've been saying it all this last year, common sense. It seems to be a word that nobody understands. Welcome to the show, Richard. Sarah, thank you so much for having us. And if common sense were common, we wouldn't be talking today. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was brought up with, you know, the, the, the terminology common sense, you know, like it just makes common sense, you know, and it's, it's that when you pause a moment just to look at something and, you know, from a different perspective, uh, you can just see the, the common denominator there. You can see what makes sense. Do you think the reason why common sense is not out there today is because no one's pausing, no one's stopping to review and look at what's going on, they're reacting? Well, I think that's part of it. And uh, in the United States, I think our media hmm. has chosen a political side and they're pushing one side, which has changed the dynamics of communication because it enables that side hmm. to push items without fear of somebody calling them out. And my belief is common sense ought to be the same regardless of which political side is in power. And the principles ought to be the same and solid regardless of which party's in power also, uh, if it's common sense. And so a lot of times you can look at the agenda of who's saying something mm -hmm. and know why it doesn't sound like common sense because they think they can say it and no one will remember that they said something 180 degrees opposite just a few years before. Right, right. And the evidence is there for all of us to see. And it's, it's amazing how people can flip-flop and think they can get away with it with the evidence that we have available these days. There's no accountability. You know, that's one of the things is um, in really when we look at it, you know, uh, all politicians are bought, um, you know, whether it's good intent or not, it's just money behind it. And so really, when you look at it, is the political world being run by politics, by the people who have appointed them, or is it being run by industry and, and a few of those behind? Um, because when you lose not only common sense, but you lose accountability, how can you trust anything anymore? Well, it's very rare a politician suffers for failure or for their decisions. And so, for example, during the pandemic, when so many people around the globe have suffered and lost income, lost jobs, had all kinds of issues, uh, very rarely, at least in the United States, the politicians never missed a paycheck, whether they worked right. or not. Yeah. There were no layoffs. Mm -hmm. Heaven forbid anyone suggest cutting back on the number of bureaucrats working for government. Mm -hmm. And so there's no risk of loss. And so it right. enables them to act in a false world compared to we who have to act in a business world or where there are consequences for our decisions. And it, it just amazes me that we allow them to get away with. 
that's what I don't get. I mean, I'm here in Canada. As I said, common sense is something I try to live by. And it's just like, you've appointed these people. Now, I kind of look at all politics around the world as a big, huge sewage pot. And we need to skim the top off, you know. Somebody said drain the swamp, but it's like, start with, <laughs> with your own swamp. You need to drain, you need to skim it all off, which means how it's financed right how it's financed the accountability if you're not doing your job there should be a review for people you know half term or a part way in it are you doing your job are you standing up to the integrity are you speaking for the people but when there is no accountability and they can just go la 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 i didn't hear that it or it doesn't it doesn't affect me you know when oh, for the people no they're not for the people but they're for themselves well, one of the things I think is interesting, when the United States was established in our Constitution, the founders had a distrust of government and putting power into people's hands. Mm -hmm. And they set up this beautiful system, even though it was flawed because of human nature, they set up this beautiful system to limit individuals and limit any government body from having too much power. And over the years, it's been prostituted. Oh, uh, they didn't have term limits in it because no one ever dreamed there'd be career politicians because mm. people would go serve for a few years and go home because they couldn't afford to stay in politics, mm. which has totally changed. A Civil War hero on the Union side was Joshua Chamberlain from Maine. And after the Civil War, he went back and he was governor for four terms. And I always like to ask people the question when I'm giving speeches about how, how many years was four terms? And most people will guess 16. Well, at that time in the late 1800s, four terms was four years. They made the politicians run for re-election every year. The people kept the politicians close to them so that if they made a misjudgment or an error, they could get them out of office very quickly. But we bought the sale that the politicians came out with about the cost of campaigning and things of this nature. And we kept extending the terms and between extending the terms and making the job more lucrative, that's how we get people that are in a single office for three generations, mm. people in office 40, 50 years, because it's very financially and power lucrative, much more so than the founders ever dreamed it would be. Right. Um, Let's just, another one you've hit there, the cost of election. You know, uh, when you are looking at countries, um, you know, and the states certainly has been going through it with this pandemic, when you look at the cost of an election and you think that money could have gone to the people that are suffering, you know, how medical care, you know, the people that have lost their jobs, um, it, and it goes, God, how many, how much does it cost to, to elect Biden or, or Trump or any of them? It's just mind blowing. There ain't any common sense there. And it, again, it goes back to being bought, you know? Well, there's, there's a whole industry of political <laughs> consultants who make commissions off advertising buys. And so they want on both sides to perpetuate differences because the more differences they are, there are, the more they get people spun up, yeah. the more people will donate and the more campaign advertising, whether it be for an election of a politician or for a, a bill that's in front of a legislative body, they'll do advertising on that. And so it's in their best interest. And it wouldn't surprise me if they get together and, and conspire about how they yeah. can spend people up on both sides oh, so yeah. they can both make more money. And going back to the media has no accountability anymore. You know, I don't know if you ever saw the series Newsroom, which no, was highly sure. recommended. You will love it. <laughs> you really will. It's, it was three seasons of it. It's about the news, but they take a lot of news that's actually happening. And it's about trying to get the integrity of the news out there. Instead, no, 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 our advertisers don't want us to do that. Or no, no, you know, we're being funded by this person. They don't want that kind of news out there. And it's like, what happened to the news, the integrity of that, the word that you could trust? Well, I think that's a great question. And this is one advantage of being a little bit older uh, because I can remember 
the Watergate scandal in the United States in the mid 70s. And that's when the news, I believe, changed in the United States from being one of reporting what happened, giving multiple sides of issues and letting the reader decide and keeping opinions on op-ed pages to where now every news article I read has politically charged tones in it and advocacy. Yeah. And for example, the new editor for the student newspaper at the University of Texas, where I went to school, uh, advocated and said that her job is to be an advocate. Mm-hmm. And that's an offshoot of speaking truth to power. Mm-hmm. And so they all think it's their job to take a side and push that side mm-hmm. in their job as reporters, which is totally wrong. And unfortunately, so few people look at more than one or two news sources if they look at one or two news sources and whichever side of the spectrum that's on, they will get a biased view of what is actually going on. This is why we say we can't trust media anymore. You know, everybody's saying social media, social media, but you know, that's an algorithm. It's going to feed what you put out. So if you're going to be in the sensationalism, that's what you're going to get back. But the actual media, the reason why the distrust is there is the fact is like, from where is this truth coming? And, you know, is it one perspective? Is it hardcore facts? Um, have you been limited just to what you can say? And it's just like nowadays you just don't believe anything anymore. So where do we go to actually get facts nowadays? Well, and that was one of the advantages of Western civilization in the values which have been under attack for at least 50 years and that people t- would tell the, the truth And when they took an oath to go on the witness stand and tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Well, now we hear people talking about, quote unquote, my truth or your truth. And so it perpetuates this belief that everyone has a truth based on their own values. Mm -hmm. Well, there is only one truth of any situation, regardless of what anybody else thinks about it. But we have lost our mooring, if you will, to the actual truth by trying to let people know it's okay for them to invent their own. And so the offshoot of that is the political narratives that come up and people saying things regardless of whether they are actually true or not and saying them over and over and over because as uh, I think it was Goebbels said, if you say say something Mm -hmm. often enough, it becomes a truth. And I think that's exactly what a lot of people are doing these days. I've been referring to this last year or even five years as, you know, the hurricane, the hysteria. And, you know, I I live with a wonderful elderly lady and the other day she's in a lineup and she coughed and immediately, oh, she coughed, (laughs) you know, and it's like, calm down, you know, calm down. And it's that the media stirs it up, the social media stirs it up. There's something inside of us that seems to go for the melodrama, the soap opera of life and politics, that we would rather believe the negative than any positive. That is absolutely true. And here in the U.S., our government uh, on both sides of the aisle are trying to let people feel that they will protect them from any of the vagaries of life if you just elect them. Yeah. And that's that is impossible first. And because we all will suffer the ups and downs of life. Mm -hmm. But when they do this and they create that perception and then they create the fear that drives people to them, then they own the people. Yeah. And I've seen the same thing. Uh, We've been fortunate to open up Texas from a mask mandate. But I still see people driving in their cars, wearing their mask all by themselves. And it's, it seems to me as silly because they've been scared so much that that virus is going to jump into their car and get them. Yeah. If, and I've known people that have stayed in their house for a year because they're afraid to go outside. And I, I'm sad for them because they have given up living for fear. Back to the common sense. Yes, wear a mask when you're in a, a, a group of people, right? It's just like the common cold. The reason why the colds are down so much is that because we have been masking, not sneezing and coughing and spluttering over everyone. So, you know, they're getting common sense. Uh, The mask when you're in in a condensed area, yes. Um, 
washing your hands you should be doing anyway right <laughs> and the other thing is is that if you're buying into that fear and that hysteria you literally are, are breaking down your own immune system yes. right? and there's so many things you can do to prevent you know vitamin d is excellent against yeah. the virus and uh, so there's things that you can do to empower yourself and just common sense you, you know you're yes. not going to go off to a a rave or a disco i'm aging myself do they have discos anymore (laughs) Uh, because yes there's likelihood that something is going to get passed on beyond the virus so you know it's please be sensible folks don't buy into it i mean all the time you have it on social media the pro mask oh it's a the virus is a 5g or this or that the devil is out to get you the government is out to get you and i go okay if the government uh, is uh, who is big brother who's watching you on every camera on every corner and now they can't identify you because of the mask how is it benefiting them if they're having to subsidize and i know ooh, a whole of 1400 in this in the states that everybody got wow um which is again that's another topic of where was the support for the people right <laughs> it is like Please, folks, the, the common sense needs to be there. You need to think rationally. Yes, it's a valid vi- virus, but it's going to get you if you're going to open its arms up and welcome it. Well, in, in our country, the U.S. and Canada both were founded by people that were in to settle the countries across thousands of miles. Yes. And when they traveled, yes, they grouped together. But if they had an issue... Whatever it was, disease, Indians, overcoming rivers, whatever it was, they had to take care of it themselves. And each and other like a village, right? That's the way our ancestors and yes. forefathers were. And we have been rugged individualists, and they're trying to breed that out of us now and make us spineless mm. little subjects to government directives and orders and scare our pants off nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. And I refuse to participate in that because yeah. we are better than that. And it's up to us to broaden our shoulders for future generations to stand on like we're standing on our forefathers' shoulders. Yeah. You know, this point the finger, it's government, it's this, it's that, this three pointing back at you. Yes. Where's your accountability? What are yes. you doing about it? You don't like it? Well, stand up against it. Yes. Don't just well, stand and- up with a pitchfork. Stand up with a solution. There's, there's a lot of people in the U.S. that are discouraged about what's going on in the country right now, and it makes them want to quit and disengage with any public connection. And what I tell them is that's the wrong thing yeah, to do. Yeah. The problem is none of us can do everything, no. but we can all do one more thing than we're doing. So I try to encourage people to find something they're passionate about, whether it's school issues, city council, county, state, national, whatever it is, find one thing you're passionate about and get more involved than you are now to make the change that you want to see. And if if enough of us do that, we can regain our independence and liberty that we've had. Um, You're asking people to kind of step outside of themselves and and stand for something where there are so many people who don't even stand for themselves they have become such sheeple you know i i've got to follow the rules you know i I can't speak for myself and they've lost their own identity even if they ever had it because they've literally handed themselves over so before we ask them to go and stand for something they've got to kind of reclaim their own lives their own choices their own accountability and people will be what they're expected to be. Mm -hmm. And in the past, people were expected to grow and contribute to the country, Mm -hmm. raise their families, be independent. Uh, Its children were expected to make good grades and be better than the previous generation. We see it on athletic teams still where coaches expect players to play above the levels they think they can. Mm -hmm. But in the public life, Government's telling people, we don't expect you to be able to do anything. And they're starting to gravitate and play to the lowest common denominator. And some people will still rage against that and try to succeed. And others will just relax in the hammock and Mm -hmm. allow themselves to 
withdraw and just become minimalist mm -hmm. in their lives. And to me, that's, that's a sad state to live in. Yeah. If you can't really experience the exhilaration of success. And even when we fail or fall short, there's an opportunity to grow from that and succeed later. And there's so many stories over our history as a country of people who did that, that should inspire us of the opportunity to live our best lives, not live our minimal lives. I'm an advocate of empowerment. So the people I bring on here to this network are people who have stood up. You've stood up, you're speaking out, you're trying to gain some common sense injected back into people by just at least opening up their minds to think for themselves. People who have found, you know, have gone through the process, whether, whether it's a disease or whether it's a loss of something or a loss of someone, it's a process that we have to be willing to go through life. And when we do, we discover our strength, we discover our courage, we discover our abilities, and we take ownership of our own lives. And in doing yes. so, by nurturing our own lives, we find we have so much more to give because we are in service of one another, not servitude, not slavery of, yes, government, I'll do anything you say, but in service of one another because our communities are only as strong as we are as individuals who then contribute to our community. So it is essential that we stop passing the buck and, and say, okay, no, if I... If, if this shoe doesn't fit, I'm going to be looking for different shoes. I'm going to take some accountability for my own life. I'm going to do some of my own healing and not yes. stay in the victimized mode, which of course government would like you to stay there because fear sells so well. Yes. Yes. And one of the things I discovered when I was going through one of my life challenges was that when I was thinking of myself, it was easy to throw myself a pity party Yes. and think negatively. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that or whatever. Thankfully, I spent minimal amount of time there. But what I found was when I focused on others, mm. how can I help others by my experiences? Yes. When I focus on others, I'm a much more positive person. And I forget about any troubles I may have experienced. And all I'm doing is thinking about how can I help someone? And it's a much better place to be than being the victim stage. The struggles that you've been through allow you to relate to other people. It yes. allows you to have compassion and empathy, but it also allows you to share what helped you out of the situation. And you can impart that knowledge onto someone else as a tool, as a skill that they can apply to their own life. That's Absolutely. the reason we go through experiences so we can pass on the skills and tools that helped us so it can help others. That's absolutely correct. And uh, I've been blessed with a lot of great experiences and successes and I've had some life challenges. Mm -hmm. uh, the life challenges I think have made me much better than I would have been otherwise. I try to share all of those experiences when I speak or write to help other people because for example, in 2020, I'd see people and they talk about, wow, 2020 is the worst year ever. COVID's the worst thing ever. And I'd say I had a lot worse years in 2020. COVID yeah, yeah. might be bad, but there are many people around the world that are and have gone through much worse things than we're going through. And God forbid we ever have to go through them. Yes, and I'll relate the story a lot of times about Leningrad in World War II which is now St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. And the Germans surrounded the city in December of 41, 872 days they laid siege to the city. 800,000 to a million civilians died yes. of starvation or disease. Mm -hmm. It was so bad that when a relative would die, they'd put the body out on the street the next day and horse-drawn carts would take them off for mass burial. Yeah. And that city survived and is thriving now and the people overcame and there's all kinds of examples of individuals that have done that and I try to share those to give people confidence that if someone else can do it you and I can do it also. That is what life is about you know I mean you said COVID it, I mean I've been incredibly busy <laughs> incredibly busy plus I became a grandma so you know yes it's been a great year not undermining at all the people who have lost people, the people who have lost jobs. I mean, it was a challenge for people 
to go, okay, my job isn't there as it used to be. <clears throat> how can I pivot? How can I recreate? Yes. And that is, you know, people taking charge. I can't do this. What else can I do under these circumstances, yes. right? Yes. And it is not wait for everything to go, oh, here you are, you poor thing. It is about, okay, I have other skills. I know so many people who have pivoted from a career that they've invested in, but they can't do right now. But however, I have these other skills I can do right now. Yes, that's exactly right. The way I've described it the last year is I think there's two types of people during the pandemic. The first group is hunkered down. They're binge eating, binge watching TV. They're waiting for this to be over to come out of their hole and try to resume the life they had before. Normal. And the other there will group, be no normal. <laughs> <laughs> the other group's doing what you said, yeah. which they're studying, they're adapting, they're doing other things. I wrote a book that I hadn't planned last year. I went from public speaking in person to doing much more radio and TV and doing other types Zoom. of things and preparing, studying, growing personally and getting ready for the new future. And when this thing will end, the second group will leapfrog by miles, the first group, and the first group's going to wonder what the heck happened? How come yeah. they're doing so much better than I am? Yes. And they won't know what hit them. No, no, they, they certainly won't. And it's the, there is the choice, you know, Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, when it first started, I actually did a show. I have my own show every week, Sarah's View of Life. And I actually did a show on common sense. And I said, okay, folks, now I want you to think about it, you know, other than, you know, the government can't see through the mask and all of that and asking just to wash your hands. Stay at home unless you, you know, if, if you are going to go out, go out and get fresh air, please. You need that. But, you know, don't throw parties or whole crowds. But the other thing I was, I was pointing out that um, everything is a gift. Everything Absolutely. is a gift if you choose to look at it that way. Yes. We don't have bombs landing on us. We don't have starvation. Who are our new heroes? The janitors at the hospital, obviously all the hospital staff, but also all the frontline workers driving the trucks to yes. get food to our grocery stores. The people yes. that are at the cashier, you know, they haven't got the luxury of staying home. They yes. have to earn a living and they're there to make sure you've got food. So while you're moaning and groaning, you know, just think about those war-torn countries that they don't even know if they're going to have a home tomorrow or lose one of their children or if they're going to be able to eat or if they're going to find safety. So perspective, folks. Yes, perspective is important. And, and one of the stories I told in Navigating Life's Journey, one of the 250 examples of people, places and things, and the chapter was about how not to get pigeonholed because mm. people see us the one way they've experienced us. Yes. And so I used to be a corporate guy for many years, and some people can only see me as a corporate right. guy. Some people see me as an author and speaker because mm -hmm. that's what they see. They don't know about the corporate life. Right. And so it's interesting. So a friend of mine who had a successful career with his own framing business, man's man, construction type guy. Mm -hmm. And through an incident, he decided he wanted to serve people differently. In midlife, he went back to school and became a registered nurse, mm, a male nurse. Good for him. And he is serving on the front lines right now with the COVID and everything. And I think it's just really interesting because it shows people, regardless of what you've done or where you're at, if you have a dream, if there's something you want to do, there is nothing stopping you from trying. You may or may not make it but make the effort because the pain of regret is much deeper and lasts longer than the pain of failure. Yeah. You could go start down one road chasing one thing and find out, oh, this path is far <laughs> more suitable, right? But yes, the thing is, yes. move, move yes. forward, do something. Don't yes. sit and be complacent. Life doesn't owe you and life doesn't owe you. Yes, yes. Right? What you yes. make out of your life is your choice. Well, and one of the things, and I'm at an age now where I, there's more behind me than there'll be in front, probably. And I think I've got a lot more, more so, behind uh, me than so you many, have. <laughs> so many of people I know have already quit on life. Yeah, I know. They're at my age. It's very sad. <sighs> and one of the stories I told in Conquering Life's course was about Laura Ingalls Wilder mm -hmm. from Little House on the Prairie. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really watch the show until my daughter was seven. 
and we started watching it because there wasn't much else on television that was suitable. And she saw the little girl. Mm -hmm. Well, I saw Laura Ingalls Wilder as my great grandmother, who was a year younger than she was. Mm. And she lived until I was nine years old. So I saw my great grandmother as a little girl. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the books were written as a diary when she was young. Mm -hmm. But what I discovered was she didn't, her, her daughter egged her on into writing the first book. She was writing newspaper articles and things of this nature. And her daughter egged her own and her first book came out when she was 65 years old. Mm -hmm. Her ninth book came out when she was 76. Mm -hmm. She died when she was 90. Mm -hmm. 17 years after she dies, when the TV show came out right. and the TV show has been running 47 years now, almost 24 hours a day. Yes. So there's no way she could conceive no where her stories would go. And we all have that opportunity, whether it's books, interviews, mm -hmm. anything we do, we have the opportunity to encourage people or do something that may help someone that may have an impact beyond our lifetime. Yes. And that to me is what it's, it's all about. We don't know. It's just important to put the seeds out every day. And water them properly, nurture them. You know, it don't yes. tug at the roots. They will grow when they're meant to grow. If you're watering them and nurturing them and being patient, but at the same time being proactive, preparing for what is to come. When they come into bloom, the bloom may be very different to what you expected, but yes. that's the bloom you are meant to have. That's the path you're meant to follow. Yes. I, I can tell you when I first started doing podcasts, when I was asked to join another network, I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a, a 13 months of live podcasting, a great training ground, let me tell you. <laughs> and then it's, it's now almost eight years of my own. So I've been doing this nine years. Uh, I consider it an honor. I consider it a privilege to get to share the stories, the inspiration that begets invitation. I had no idea this path was going to take me along this way. I just said, okay, let's give it a try. Let's experience it. And believe me, there were many ups and downs, you know, where it's like, oh, do I really want to do this? And then persistence. And I had no idea I was going to be where I am today doing what I'm doing or meeting the people I'm meeting. So allow, right? Be willing yes. to experience and allow. Don't dictate Yes. And, and one of the things that's important about that, I'll have a lot of people ask me the question, well, are, how many books are you selling? Well, that's important, but that to me is not the calculation. Thank you. <laughs> because my calculations, I, I probably won't see all the payback. No. And But I had a lady last year when we reopened our gym in May, I was standing in line to check in and she was in front of me and I'd recognized her from church, but I didn't know her name. And she turned around and said, I really appreciated your book. Mm -hmm. And there were several people around. And before I could ask her which one, she said the, the surviving grief by God's grace. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I really appreciate you saying that. Well, that book was written and published now uh, 19 years ago about the loss of my son. Mm. And to know that she had benefited from it yes. many years after his loss added impact to his life Yes, and encouraged me to continue to do things because I never knew her. Mm -hmm. I never anticipated she might benefit. Right. So we never know what little thing we might do that may make a huge difference someplace else. I'll get how many people listening to your shows and I see all those who are ready to hear. Yeah. And it's not for me to dictate how many people no. listen. All I can do is put it out there. I call it the Orchard of Wisdom Library, ready for clicking. You're going to click onto a show that speaks to you, that you need to hear. It's the same as when you go into a bookstore or a library, right? You're looking for a certain type of book and there's that book jumping out at you. And it's what you need to know at the time. And no, we don't always know the impact. I've, I've had the benefit of, of people. Yeah saying that show saved my life or that show pivoted me in another direction and it's wonderful but you don't do it for the praise you no. do it you do it hoping that it will be that one person that it will touch yes. absolutely absolutely and it, and it may only need to be yeah. that one person and i can't remember which world famous pastor it was it seemed like it was one of the wesley's but they were talking about his mother only helped save one person but her son was this pastor in the 1800s that just you know really made a huge difference and so we don't know and it could be one person only out of everything we do 
but that one person could be bigger than millions of other people that we might do something that don't make as much impact. So. Yeah, there's a lovely story of a, a farmer that saved a young boy's life. And the father came over and said, I want to thank you for saving my son's life. And he said, oh, it's okay. It's what we do, right? We, we look out for each other. And he says, you have a son. He said, yes, I want to pay for him to go to school. And so he paid for him to go to school. And I, I'm going a bit off track of exactly what I remembered. But anyway, him going to school, um, he... I think he invented the penicillin and then ended up saving somebody else's life with another domino right. effect. So we just, yeah. again, that goes into the seeding. I have a, um, one of my channels is, uh, is raising our gift to children. And I have a book series that's going to be going out this year of our forgotten children. And I think one of the problems we have in society as a whole, we no longer have the village raising the children. We put the burden purely on the parents and they're working and they're juggling this and juggling that. Um, social media is, is raising our children. Uh, TV is raising our children. And there are so many children that, because the system has failed them, the education, um, the, foster, the foster care, the adoption care everywhere is failing them that really we have to go to the root of the problem and go, okay, this may have started off with a good idea, but it's completely lost its path. It's the same with the politics. Started off with the principle of being a good idea and has completely gone obscure. Sometimes you just have to strip things right back down to the very bottom and, uh, and just pay attention to what is wrong and break it back down and start again at the beginning, don't you? Well, and that's true. And that goes back again that children have low expectations given them very early now and it used to be children worked earlier children had more family responsibilities than they do now whereas now they're seen as receiving versus contributing yes. to the family and uh, my after my dad passed i finally heard a story about when he was about 10 years old my grandfather asked him if he could drive the truck and he said sure you know very confidently which most 10 year old kids today, I don't know if they do that or not. Right. And he says, he said, well, show me. And my dad drove the truck with it. My grandfather in there. He said, well, that's good. I want you to drive over to this field tomorrow and plow it tomorrow yeah, yes. all by himself. Yeah. He was 10 years old. Yes. And so another time he was left where the family couldn't get to him to spend the night in a wagon all by himself when he'd been working in a field and they couldn't get to him and he was left there. Well, that'd be child abuse today. Yes. But it that, would be that built his character yeah. and toughened him up. And when we overcome adversities, it gives us confidence to face new adversities in the future. And when we never have to overcome adversity, we don't have that confidence. We're weaker and weaker and weaker all the time. I 100% agree with you. Let's change topic now and go to Kamala Harris. Um, okay. <laughs> um, you know, with, originally when your information was sent to me, it was talking about Kamala Harris and, you know, how Biden um, had uh, in, given her administrative responsibility over the border crisis. I like Kamala Harris, um, but what is your perspective here? What are you seeing? Well, I think, and of course, this issue is very broad, uh, but it's interesting that the media for the last three weeks has been asking when is she going to go to the border? When's she going to go? When's she going to go? Well, personally, right now, I think we're past that question. Mm -hmm. I think the question should be to the president, uh, Mr. President, you gave her an order on March 24th. Mm -hmm. It's three weeks later. She has not shown any sign of executing your order. How do you deal with insubordinate employees? Mm -hmm. That's the right question because that makes the president look weak, not only in the country, but around the world, in that if he gives directives and employees don't carry it out, that gives all the employees the opening to say, well, I don't have to do what he tells me to do, right. which is yeah. bad. Yeah. And I'll give you a Canadian example. So when I was in the corporate world and I was given a directive to open Canada for our company, and I asked my boss, I said, well, when do you want this done? And he looked at his watch and said, well, it's 225 right now. <laughs> In other words, nah. don't let the grass grow under your feet. Do it now. <laughs> yeah. And that to me is another illustration of politicians not suffering for 
not doing their job, not doing what they're told. There's been no repercussions to her at this point uh, for doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's feigning that she's going to do something now, but there's no real urgency to take care of the issue because there's no consequences to her if she doesn't do anything. And, you know, we don't know what goes on behind you know, the, the scenes or the closed doors. But, you know, this is where I think there needs to be more, okay, yes, I am going down to the border. I'm setting this, this, and this in motion. So when I go down there, I can do that. And then we at least know you've got a plan, right? Exactly. But just to, you're going and you haven't gone. And there's nothing coming back to it so that of a process that you might be taking. And, you know, this is the thing is like, we're tired of the cloak and dagger. We're, yes. we're tired, I mean, you know, one thing with Trump, everything went on Twitter. So we knew what was going on, whether they liked it or not. We don't need that. But what we do need is that because we've had so much behind closed door deals and lies, and you're trying to build the trust back of the people, let us know your process. Yes. Let the people have some feedback. Now, if you're at the pitchfork and you're in the hemorrhage, forget it. We're not listening to you. If you can't well, say something productive, we're not interested. But if you really feel as a citizen that you could be productive in something, that you really do have a perspective that could be a solution, you have every right to speak up. Yeah, and I had a host the other day ask me, well, what do you think she's doing? Well, this was before she announced that she would be going to the Triangle country soon. I said, nothing. And he said, why do you think that? And I said, well, if she were doing anything, she would tell us, get the pressure off. Yes. So that tells me she's doing nothing. Now, for everything people might think about Trump, I want to give you a secondhand story about Trump because I used to do business with his organization. Mm -hmm. Three weeks before 9-11, I had a meeting at Trump Tower with his director of security. And we were talking and negotiating a deal with his organization. And he told me that Donald Trump at that time personally signed every accounts payable check on Friday morning in a two hour period. And the employees were scared to death that the phone would ring during that two hours and he'd be on the phone saying, hey, why are you wasting my money? Why didn't you get us a better deal? And I had a great deal of respect for him then because of his oversight of his business and how he managed his business and got things done. And while he may not have done things in the style I would do things in. Yeah. He, could, he could get things done because he did not have an alternative political agenda to elevate his career in the future or to go lobby and make money, things of that nature. He was focused on one thing, which was solving problems the way he thought they should be solved. Yeah, I mean, he didn't win a popularity contest. Um, and I think it was just too old school in many ways to, you know, to show that other side of him. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, he shook things up and things needed to be shaken up. Uh, and it was definitely a review of what is wrong in politics. And we can talk about what's wrong. We can talk about, you know, how systems need to change, but how do we make them change? We can, you know, we, we as, as the people, you, know, you have the Black Lives Matter, you have the Me Too movement, you have the Asian movement and everything else. And they're bringing, you know, the, 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 um, the cops reform. Yes, that needs to be said. Yes, we need that protesting out there. But we also need people willing to sit down with the people and say, OK, I heard your voice. What are we going to do about it? Because it seems to be government and people and no merging of the two at all where the government is meant to be working for the people, but the people haven't got any voice and they don't have any trust in the government. So somewhere along the line, there has to be this round table where it's people versus government. Let's have some open, honest conversation of what we can do about to resolve this. Well, and, and that goes back to the participating in one more thing that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. but you're, you're correct in the media, the money and the career politicians the combination of that is what's taken all of that away. And there's a, a movement in the United States now for a convention of states about term limits because Congress will never vote term limits for themselves. Yeah. No. People will have to rise up and reclaim 
the positions based on term limits. The states are going to have to reassert their primacy because the United States is quote unquote United States. The states had the preeminent power, but over the years, and it's going pell-mell fast currently, the national government has taken power from not only the individuals, yes. but the states themselves. Yes. States need to band together and reassert their authority and primacy over the government. Yeah. And once the people and the states do that, then they can control the national government like it was before yeah. versus having the national government control us. And, and one of the things that propelled this was World War II. Mm -hmm. And in David Brinkley's book, When Washington Goes to War, it was real interesting. They instituted in the United States payroll tax uh, for income tax. Mm -hmm. And what they found in 1946, when they started cutting the expenditures, when the war ended, that the people did not rise up and say, hey, wait a minute, you're taxing me too much mm -hmm. for this lower standard of government. And once the people didn't rise up then, they said, well, hey, we've got all this extra money. We might as well spend it. Yeah. And that's what started what we're suffering from now, right. the government growing and controlling. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And as you said, there, there didn't used to be, you know, career politicians, and now it most certainly is. And and whether they believe that things are right or wrong, they're going to vote to protect their seat because they're protecting their image, their income. They like where they're at. They don't have to work very hard. They get paid no matter what's going on. And all they have to do is just follow the sheeple because God forbid they should stand up uh, and have any morals of their own, you know? So again, it goes back to that accountability. Is it? We need to strip down and start again, which is, I, I know is most likely not going to happen, but it's certainly nothing is going to change until we, the people, say we want the change yes and it's it's even worse than that from the standpoint because of the money increase mm -hmm. that the power's not in the congressional democrats or republican the 200 or whatever the number is for each of them the powers in the leadership of the parties the speaker mm -hmm. of the house the senate majority leader they're the ones that control because they control the money that's given back to those members for re-election. And so with rare exceptions, you see straight party line votes on both sides, because if they buck the leaders, they don't get the right committee posts, they don't get the money for re-election. And in that situation, instead of having several hundred members of Congress, you basically have a handful of people that are making all the decisions, negotiating all yeah. the bills, that we work from. And so it's it's much worse than just watching each person see. Yes. Um, what do you think of lobbyists? Could we get rid of them? <laughs> well, it'd be nice. There certainly needs to be more control, yes. I believe. And, it and feels I wish like they're they, just I, the puppets with the stringers. You well, know? Personally, I wish they'd make a lifetime ban of political, elected political office holders or staff members going into lobby. Mm-hmm because we have career staff people that go into lobbying. We have politi uh, political office holders that go into lobbying afterwards and get guaranteed big paydays. Yes. And if we change some of those things, then that would change it up somewhat as well. Yeah. And it's, it's worse than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take some drastic rules and re-implementation of ethics and self-sacrifice for the good of the country to reestablish the people's primacy over the government. Now, where do we get that? And that is the people. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it takes me back to actually a story. Um, oh, God, 25 years ago, something of tainted blood that was sold to um, it had AIDS in it. Um, and it was sold from the States into into Canada. And a lot of people got sick and they tried to take it to court and it was just pushed aside. And w one group of lawyers said, OK, we're going to flood the small courts, everything 2000, and they literally flooded them all at the same time. And with so many cases, they had to go to the Supreme Court, which they couldn't get there um, any other way. The thing is, there is always a way. There's always a loophole. There's always a backdoor. There's always something you can challenge. But again, it is the coming together. 
myself and my strength and my voice and my ability with your strength and your ability and your perspective coming together with a, a greater good agenda as to how you're going to resolve the problem. But while we still say, oh, it's somebody else's problem. It's somebody else's problem. I don't need to deal with that. I can't deal with that. Then nothing is ever going to change. So how do we incite the people to step into that one extra role? And it could be just literally keep writing to the various politicians or keep writing to this or keep your voice up on something else because we know through history, change comes about through people protesting and persisting. Yes, and people have to participate and communicate mm -hmm. because that gives the elected, excuse me, elected officials the courage to do what we need them to do because some of them want to do it, but when they don't see any voices behind them, yes. then they won't step out and do it. And they need to realize that when they step out that there will be people to help pick them up so that when they don't get the money from the leader, they can raise money elsewise and be able to get reelected and be able to continue that cause. And, and that to me is, is so important because it, until people, I hate to use the word rise up, but until they become involved and demonstrate their interest, we'll keep getting what we're getting right now. And it will get worse and worse and worse. You know, the, I was given a saying about three and a half years ago that the universe is going to shake us up, to wake us up, for us to step up and change it up and rise up. Um, and, you know, the rising up isn't with the hate and the pitchfork. The rising up is in our own frequency, in our own energy, in our own participation. We've got to stop laying this at somebody else's feet. Yes. Well, and see, what I, I say is the current administration in the United States, their operating policy is show up, pay up, and shut up. Mm -hmm. Show up and vote, pay up your taxes, shut up, and don't ask any questions. Whereas I think what we have to do is we have to show up, stand up, and speak up. Yes. And, and stand firm. You know, we, we don't want the hate rhetoric. We don't want that. We, we know nothing happens productively with a gun or with, you know, with um, slicing and dicing other people. We, we've just been saturated with that, you know, another shooting, another stabbing, another this, another that. We don't want any of that. We want you to rise up with a solution that can be logically, common sensely applied that the voice is very clear that it becomes invitational to other people because it's not so far-fetched. Oh, I like what they stand for. I could stand for that too. Not something that's so far out there. We don't need the violence. We need the solution. We need the peaceful solutions. Well, and you're, you're correct, but realize the, the violence is being manipulated by the media and mm. the, the cottage industries on both sides that are making money off of all the news about it. And that's a whole industry itself. And so we're getting distorted pictures of the actual truth of what's going on through the media to perpetuate stereotypes mm -hmm. for one side or the other, other to use to fundraise and yeah. to lobby and to get the things they want. And so if we back up and look at actual statistics and what really happens, the picture is a little different than what we're presented every day on the news. Yes. I think, you know, pinch of salt with the news, right? <laughs> I think maybe a sack of salt. Um, this is the reason why podcasts have become so popular. And, you know, there's, I think, two million of them came out during COVID. Um, yes, you do have the angst people and the conspiracy theorists and this and that, but most of us want people like you want, want people who have got an honest journey to share, a solution. You know, we can present the problem, but how, how, how do we come out of the problem? What do we do? Where's the empowerment? That's what people want to hear. Yeah. They know there's a problem. We don't need to listen to an hour of conspiracy or hate rhetoric or any of that. We want to know you are. We, we see that. We identify that. Now, how do we resolve it? All right. And that's why podcasts are so wonderful, because you're not being filtered by the mainstream media. You're yeah. able to speak your truth. And this is why, you know, 
I love what I'm doing because I'm getting the truth from, from people because there's no other agenda and there's nobody saying, uh -uh, can't say this, no, can't say that, no, we're going to slice this. It is what it is. You can listen to it or not. That's your choice. But this is this is the truth from this person's perspective and their journey. And uh, I think people should listen more to what's going on through other means, other Absolutely. than the news. Absolutely. Because I'm not running for office. Right. I'm not a lobbyist. Right. I make no money off of my views. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's my opinion based on being a constitutional, what I would call conservative. I love the founding of the United States mm -hmm. and would like to go back to living by the Constitution and let every person chase their dream and be the best they can be and have the opportunity to enjoy their life. And that's, uh, doesn't matter what color, what gender, any of those things. Yeah. Uh, it's just as long as we can go by the, the rules and limit the government and be free, mm. we can all live together and be uh, Americans on our side of the border yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and enjoy our lives. And I'm old enough to have remembered that kind of America. Yes. Yes, you know, I was brought up in England, lived in South Africa, been here 42 years, but I've lived in the States as well. And there's, you know, kind of questioned is, is my generation one of the, the last few generations of that life integrity, you know, of that there are consequences, even, even with yourself for doing something, doing harm to anyone else. You know, you can't live with yourself if you do that. Is that a lost art, you know? And I'm hoping not. I'm, I think it's been woken up again now. So I'm hoping we're going to see some changes. And that only comes about through that persistence, perseverance and empowerment. So tell us a little more about Navigating Life's Journey, The Common Sense in Uncommon Times, and also how people can get your book. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and uh, all uh, my website is richardbattle.com. Uh, if you go to Amazon and look up Richard V. Battle, all seven of my books are there, and they're in Kindle and audiobook as well as printed book formats. And, and this was the second volume of Common Sense books. It has 40 chapters. There's 250 examples of people, places, and things, 75 motivational quotes. There's stories that will lift people's spirits if they're down. Mm -hmm. It'll give them hope if they've lost hope. It will encourage them if they're discouraged. It will help them realize that despite all of the news and things they see, that the that there's still opportunity in life and there's yes. hope and they can go for a dream and they can live and enjoy it. And I hope they pass that along to their children and grandchildren so that it will impact generations to be more positive and enjoy life. And I think that's what we're trying to share. Isn't that kind of the common denominator yes. you know the we know um at our age and again i've got more gray hairs than you do um life is is to be lived it's to be loved and when we get up every morning with a sense of gratitude and a positive attitude the youngest person i ever interviewed had written a book at the age of 10 you know, 365 days of gratitude with a positive attitude, you know, and yeah, it's, and, and it was just so, I don't understand adults. If you're doing something that makes you unhappy, why don't you stop and find something that makes you happier? And it's yes. like, it, what happened to us? What, you know, how did we get so buried in, in misery and go, oh, my life sucks. Well, change <laughs> it. <laughs> go down. Well, a lot of times up. we're, we're focused, uh, we're focused only on the present. Right. And, and the analogy I use, if we're walking down the road and, and a group of small dogs start biting our ankles, we'll take our vision off the road and look down at our ankles. And that's what life is. Life's the dogs biting at our ankles, <laughs> whereas our dreams and goals are on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And we need to be able to keep focused on that horizon and what we'd like to do and keep working toward it. And you will never know what we might overcome and what we might achieve. But as long as we're going toward the horizon mm -hmm. with a positive attitude and we're gracious, yes, like yes. you say, uh, we're going to have a much better experience than if we're focused on those dogs biting their ankles. Yeah. I mean, there isn't anybody on this planet that hasn't gone through some form of suffering. Yes. It is the human condition because from that we learn our beautiful skill. I see we're, we're here to find out what our beautiful instrument is. 
that gift that we're all given. How do we use that instrument and which orchestra do we bring it to? And whom do yes. we play it for? And that is really what life is about. Be abundant, let your cup run off over because that now is serving your community. When you serve and water the possibilities of your community, they grow. And when more people grow around you, you all become enriched and abundant. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a simple domino effect. So please be careful what you feed. If you're going to feed the angst, the angst is going to grow. If you feed the possibilities and allow, don't forget your due diligence and your work towards it, but don't be dictatorial over it because even that vision you have over there may change through the journey and be even better than you ever thought it could be. Yes. I never dreamed I'd be doing this at this time, mm -hmm. but I'm so grateful and I've been rewarded so much with feedback yeah. beyond my expectations that it's just been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody said when you were in corporate, you're going to write all of these books and you're going to change people's lives and you, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, right. I don't have time, you know, and it's like, never say never. <laughs> well, at my high school reunion, I was talking to people and I said, my English teachers would be shocked. I read a book, much less wrote one. <laughs> yeah. I never dreamed of writing one. And then I never dreamed of writing two. Yeah. And so it's, it is amazing how different things come on our journey. Yes. And if we're watching and adapt to them, what we might be able to do we never dreamed about and isn't that exciting if we're willing to explore to be wondrous to believe in oh what's next what's the possibilities but understand this you are always taking you with you wherever you go yes and you want to be able to relate to life react with life but not become reactive yes so yes. it's not just the mindfulness it's the soulfulness heartfulness the spirit of your beingness as well. So incorporate all of them in your journey of life, right? Yes, we do. And we try to make every day better than the day before. Yes. And we try to help someone every day. And as I say, the greatest gift we can give anyone is encouragement. And so I try to encourage people to encourage at least one person a day. And if they do that, I think they will be more, have more gratitude and they will impact so many people. Domino effect, the ripple effect. Yes. Right? We, we've seen far too much ripple of the pain and the suffering, but we, we want to change the tide now. We want to wash yes. away the pain and the suffering. We want to, you know, I, every year I come up with a word that is my year and this, uh, for the year, and this word is actionism this year. Last year was reflection, you know, really kind of reflecting of life. What's really important? What can I really do? What, what really drives me? And this is the year to get into action over it. Even yes. if it is only just seeding and watering the seeds, but do something. Yes, absolutely. Because doing something will lead to doing something else mm -hmm. and it will grow. And grow beyond your dreams and your yes. vision. And that's absolutely. the beauty of it, allowing it to happen. So the site is Richard V. Battle? Well, richardbattle.com is the website. Okay. And you're on Facebook as well and Twitter. What handles are those? at Richard V Battle on Twitter and they can look up Richard V Battle on Facebook. Excellent. And what does the V stand for? Well, it's actually for Vernon, but I've had all kinds of guesses about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I list that only to differentiate myself from other Richard Battles that mm. might be out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it could be victory as well, right? Yes, it's always <laughs> victory always is good. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> um, we're actually really in exciting times. You know, yes, it's, we are. It's just a time for that voice to come out, at, but the voice of reason, the voice of common sense, um, the voice of change. We, we, we're not going back to normal. Normal didn't work. We're going it's to create a, a different norm now. It's a great time to be alive. Mm -hmm. and however many days I have left, I'm excited about them. I don't know where they'll all go, but I'm excited about the possibilities. Yes, exactly. It ain't over until it's over. And, you yes. know, and the oldest person I've interviewed is 88, still with her own TV show. So it just shows, right? <laughs> don't limit yourself, folks, right? Don't go, oh, I'm this age now. I should be doing that. No. <laughs> exactly. If you still got something in you, go and do it. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what makes life exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Thank you so much for sharing with us here, Richard. Thank you, Sarah. And we just appreciate being on your show. And we say God bless America and God bless Canada. Mm -hmm. God bless the world. You know, it's we're, we're all beautiful energy beings and it's time that we switch that energy to a more positive frequency. Right. Yes. Well, until next time, folks, remember, if you want change politically, environmentally, um, health, no matter what your calling is, whatever you feel is in just in the world and you want to see changed, please don't go out with a pitchfork. Go out with a solution. Go out with conversation. Go out and get people engaged. The only way we're going to change things is getting people engaged and then taking it to the higher levels and putting pressure on them. Remember, the government people are employed by us. So if we don't like what they're doing, it's time for us to tell them. Please be nice and respectful about it. We just don't need any of the ugliness anymore. Um, and we can be the change that we seek. So until next time, bye for now. We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here on selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.